All right, we're beginning here with the new parak on the top of Nundalad Amanalev. The parak begins, Anoder yarak mutar bidluin. Someone who takes a nether to restrict himself from eating vegetables is not restricted in eating a gourd. Rabbi Kiva oser. Rabbi Kiva says that it is a sore. Now, why dluim are not subsumed under the category of yarak out of vegetables? There are two reasons that are brought here by the Rishunim. If you look in the Rosh, the Rosh brings down the reason that Stam Yerek Adam, when you use the word Yarak, when you use a vegetable in the vernacular, Yarak Anechalchai, it's talking about something that's eaten in its raw state. So that's one position that the Rishonim take here, that vegetables that are eaten in their raw state are considered to be vegetables. Items that require cooking do not have a shame of Yarak. And that's why Dluim are not subsumed under the category here of Yarak. The other possibility, which is brought by the Ran, is that the problem is that Yarak is when you eat the vegetable itself. The leaf, the plant itself, is the consumable item. It is the vegetable. On the other hand, Dluim gourds are a pre. They are a fruit. They are a derivative or something that grows on the plant. And a yarak only references items in which the object itself, the plant itself is eaten, like lettuce, cabbage, like broccoli, cauliflower, all of those items where the plant itself is what is eaten, that's called a yarak. And then when you talk about things where there's a pre, where there's a fruit that grows on the plant, that's not known as a yarak, like the case of diluim. That's one, two possibilities of how to explain this Mishnah as well as the Gemara is the Hakpada here. The issue of the Duim is because they are not eaten in their raw state or is the problem here that they are a pre? And the truth is, it could be both. It could be that the definition of a Yarak works this way, which is that if you eat the leaf itself, if you eat the plant itself, then it doesn't matter whether you have to cook it or you eat it raw. But because it's the plant itself, it's known as a yarak. On the other hand, when it comes to being a pre, when you are a product that is a grows on the plant, now to be known as a vegetable versus a pre will make a difference as to whether it's eaten raw in its raw state or only in its cooked state. So, for instance, the dluim, where only eaten in their cooked state, will be defined as a pre ha and not yarak. On the other hand, you might have vegetables that, like tomatoes, where you would eat them raw, even though they are a pre of the plant, but they're eaten raw, and therefore they might be defined as a yarak. So you have three different ways to approach this as to why dulim are not subsumed under yarak. One is to say that dulim are not eaten raw. One is to say that they are pre dama and not the plant itself. And the third way is the combination of those two. An afkamina between these two reasons would be items like tomatoes, peppers, things that are fruit, pre dama, but they're eaten raw. So those items would be enough communion between these two reasons as to whether they're called a Yarak or not called a Yarak. Rabbi Kiva was there. On the other hand, Rabbi Kiva says it's a sur. Amrulo the Rabbi Kiva. Hello, Omer Adam Lishlucho. A person sends out his agent, Kachli Yarak. Sends him out to the shuk, to the supermarket to go buy a vegetable. Vomer, and he returns and says, Lo matzati He says, I didn't find any vegetables. I only found gourds. By the mere fact that he came back and told him that means that Dluim are not under the category of Yarak. Otherwise, he would have just bought the Dluim and brought them back. Amalhem, Kena Davar. So Rabbi Kiva says, you're absolutely right. Oh, Shema Amar Hulo, you think that the Shliach would come back to his 
principal to the person who sent them and say, Lo matzati ele kitnit, that only found legumes, only found kitnit. Ella, shadvuim klal yarak. The only reason that he says duim is because duim are a subset of yarak. The kitnit, enam bechlal yarak. On the other hand, the kitnit are not a subset of the yarak, of the vegetables. So what Rabbi Akiva does is turns the proof of the Chachamim on its head. The Chachamim say if you send out a person to the supermarket to buy you vegetables, and then he comes back and says, I didn't find any vegetables, I just found a gourd. By the mere fact that the Chachamim say that he came back and asked you the question shows you that he doesn't think, or people don't think, that gourds are subsumed under the category of yarak, of vegetables. On the other hand, Rabbi Akiva says, no, it's just the opposite. Because for exactly that reason, if you sent the guy to the supermarket to buy vegetables, he doesn't come back and tell you, listen, there were no vegetables, but I found some bread. Because he knows that bread is not of interest. It's not even in the category that we're speaking about. So what Rabbi Akiva says is, he flips the reasoning of the Chachamim on its head and says, listen, the mere fact that he's willing to ask the question and present this to the Balabayit shows that it has relevance to Yarak. Because otherwise he wouldn't come back and say anything. If he thought it was completely irrelevant, then he wouldn't even ask the question. The fact that he's asking the question shows you its relevance. And by showing you its relevance, that means that it must be a subset or part of this category of Yarak. That's how Rabbi Kiva expresses it over here. Now, even according to Rabbi Kiva, it's clear that Dluim lived on that fine line between a Yarak and a Priyadama. It's obvious that it's not exactly a Yarak, because otherwise he wouldn't have to come back and ask at all. The fact that he has to come back and ask already tells you that it's not completely 100% in that category. The question is, how close? You're on the line. You're in that gray area. Which side of the gray area is the Talat? So Rabbi Kiva says it's towards the Yarak side of it, because the fact that he even asked about it shows you it's meaningful within that category. The other hand, the Chachamim say the fact that he even asked shows you that he doesn't think it's a Yarak, otherwise he would just bought it on the spot. There's the Machloket that you have between Rabbi Kiva and the Chachamim in this issue. On the other hand, if we have an instance where we're talking about Pola Mitzri, the Egyptian bean, then in an instance where Asur Bepola Mitzri Lach, if it is something that is moist, it's in its moist state, it's still in its vegetable state, the Pola Mitzri, then it's clearly subsumed under the category of Yarak. On the other hand, if it's Yavesh, if it's dried out, then it doesn't have a shame of a vegetable, a Yarak anymore, it has a shame of Dagan. The next Mishnah actually will say that, that a person who takes a neder, a noder min a dagan, a surba mitzri. Someone who takes a neder from dagan, from grains, is restricted in polha mitzri. The reason being because polha mitzri, when they dry it out, then they make a kri out of it, and then they treat it just like any other grain. So polha mitzri, in its moist state, is treated like a vegetable, and it is a vegetable. On the other hand, when it comes to polo that's dried out, it's classified like a grain or like a cereal, and therefore it's in the category of the gun. So everybody agrees by polo that there's a clear delineation or line that in one case it's considered Yarak, in the other case it's considered the gun. As opposed to the Dalat over here, the Dluim, where we don't know where they sit on that line between pre Hadama and Yarak. So now the Gemaras, I know there mina Yarak, Vahamin Yarak Nadar. So the Gemara asks an interesting question. The Gemara basically rejects Rabbi Kiva's position outright and says, in the end, bottom line is that this is not a vegetable. Everybody knows that this Dalat is not a Yarak. And then how can Rabbi Kiva ever say that it is a Yarak? So 
you can say in a number of reasons that either it's very clear that people don't use this terminology to include the lot, or for the reasons that we gave above, that it's not classified as a yarak because it's not eaten raw, because it's not the leaf itself. So for all those reasons, it's clear that a dalat is not a yarak. And Rabbi Kiva's reasoning that somebody might ask about it and consider it possibly within the category doesn't seem compelling enough to make it into a yarak. So Amar Ula, the Ula says, well, we have to add something here. But Omer, the person says, Yarkei Kedera Alai. It's not an instance where he simply says yarak, he simply says vegetable, he says Yarkei Kedera. The vegetables of the pot I restrict to myself. So over there, as Duran points out, Vikavin Demiater Lishne. Since he had this excess or extra language, unnecessary extraneous language, it comes to be Mirabet comes to include additional items. So the question is, what's included now? What is extended by Yarkei de Ralai? The Gemara proposes, or Ula is proposing here, that it would include a Dalat. Gemara says, but there's other things that are closer to a Yarak that we'd be more apt to include versus the Dalat. And that is, Vidilma, Yarak, Hanechau, Bikte Amar. Maybe when he says it in that way, or he phrases it that way, Yarkei de Ralai, then he's talking about a Yarak, a Nechal Bikteira. Talking about a Yarak that's eaten in the Gteira, Kamar. Now what that means, the Rishonim have different explanations. You look in Rashi. Rashi says, Gagon, Shumimu Bitsalim, like garlic and onion, Shehain Neachalim Bikteira. They're eating in a pot. Shnotnim Otan Bikteira, Gedeli Ten Tam Betavshil. They're there to give flavor to the item that you are cooking. So when you say Yarkeik Deira, maybe you're referencing to things that give flavor, spicing to the pot, and that's the type of vegetable that would be included. Not something that requires the k'tayra in order to make it edible, but something that is utilized in the k'tayra. It's something that's put in there to enhance the k'tayra, like the batzal and the shum. And Tosafot says something very similar. That's the way that they explain it. On the other hand, the Rosh explains the reasoning has been that these are types of items that are nechbash, that are pickled or cooked in the Kdera. And therefore, these are the items that you would consider to include here because they're more likely to be deemed closer to Yarak or in people's minds. That is something that would be closer to Yarak than the Dluim. So Gemara says, okay, it's a case, Be'umer, Yarak amit bashel b'kdera alai. A yarak that is cooked in the k'tayra is restricted to me. The difference here in this lashon versus the previous lashon is the mitbashel. So according to Rashi and Tosafot, who said the previous lashon referenced items like shum and batzal, which were flavors that you put in the tavshil, over here we're talking about a yarak that is actually cooked in there. It's not something that's just there to flavor. It's actually an item that is cooked inside of the pot itself. That is, the vegetable is cooked. Not simply to bring flavor. Alright, then, according to the Ran, the difference here is that the fact that it says mitbashel bigdera is something that's only cooked in the gdera. The only way to eat it is it's cooked in the gdera. Items that require a lot of cooking. Versus the previous lashon, which is yarkei gdera alai, is something that sometimes is cooked in the gdera, sometimes is not cooked in the gdera. And that's the difference between the two lashonot over here. So what the Ran says over here is very interesting. Normally when I have a Gemara like this, 
and the Gemara goes through different iterations. Gemara is basically creating what they call the chiyot. It says, okay, maybe this is it. The Gemara then rejects it. The Gemara then takes another thing, tries it out, and then rejects it. As it rejects each item, it discards that idea and moves on to the next idea. What the Ran says is that everything the Gemara says here along the stages is correct. And therefore, the halacha, everything will follow based on what we just said now. First of all, we pass an halacha like Rabbi Kiva. We'll see that later in the Gemara. We'll show why we pass in like Rabbi Kiva. But if we pass in like Rabbi Kiva now, the Nafkamino is that everything we just said now will be true to halacha. And that's what the Ran says here. He says it for both shitot that he brought, both the shita that the reason or the problem with the delat is that it's not eaten in its raw state, or that the problem of the delat is that it's priyadama. So we'll start with the fact that it's a priyadama. And here, the Ran says, therefore, Hilkach, yarak, Someone who takes a nether just simply with the word yarak in it, even Rabbi Akiva agrees that that would not include in that category priyadama, fruits that are vegetables, meaning things that are not the leaf itself or the plant itself. Amar yarak de ra. A lie. If he uses the yarak deira, asur b'peirot adama habaim lachshir hamachal keshumim ubitzalim, then he would then, with that extra language, not only include yarak, but we included in the first nether. But this nether would also include in it extra items like the garlic and the onion, things that are brought, vegetables that are put into the deira in order to flavor it. Umutar b'tuluim, but he would still be mutar in the tuluim. Amar Yarak Hamit Bashobik Dera Lai, then if he says the nether like the final Lashon of the Gemara, Asur Bakol Perot Adama. Then everything would be included, including the Dluim over here. According to the Lashon, the problem or the deficit in the Dluim is that they are pre Adama, then the flow of the Gemara would go this way. Yarak by itself would only include items that are the plant itself is eaten. You say Yarak Dera. That would include not only items where the plant itself is eaten, but also items that are used to flavor when it's cooked, or you put it in the pot to flavor. You say, Yarak, then you include all vegetables, meaning even vegetables where you eat the plant, as well as vegetables where you eat the pre, you eat the fruit, and even if it has to be cooked. Then, according to the other Lashon, that the deficit in Dluim is that it's high, it's raw, and it's not eaten in its raw state. So that says, Venimsa, the Ran says, Laksha, the feed derze, the no dermina yarak, asur, be yarak, and a chalkamochu chai bilvat. If you just use the lashon of yarak, then you would only be asur in items or vegetables that are eaten in their raw state. Umutar bechom it bashel. And you'd be mutar in anything that is cooked. Afo pishe pamim nechal chai, even though sometimes it's eaten raw. As long as it's not exclusively eaten raw, or at least the majority of the time it's not eaten raw, then it would be mutar. Amar yarkeg deira alai, asur af botan shochlim chayin umivushalim. Once you say yarkeg deira, now you include not only items that are eaten raw all the time, or eaten raw the majority of the time, here even things are eaten raw sometimes and cooked sometimes, they would now be included or subsumed under your nether. Avalo botan shenachim elamivushalim, but you still would not include in that category vegetables that are only eaten in their cooked state. Amar Yarak Amit Bashobik Dera, if he uses that final lashon that the Gemara said, Asur Af Botan Shainachalim Belobisho, then it would include even vegetables that are only eaten in their cooked state. What you see here is that each lashon of the nether expands the scope of the nether, and depending on what you think the deficit of Duluim is, 
the scope is expanding. If you think the deficit of Gulim is that they need to be eating cooked and they're not eating raw, then what each Lashon does is adds in more items that are not only eaten raw until you get to that final stage where you include Gulim. If you think the deficit here is that it's Priyadama and not the plant itself, then you expand each time that you add on an extra Lashon, you expand the nether. In that instance, you would also expand the number of items that are included to include other items that are Priyadama and not the plant itself. So now the Gemara says, Now that we've established the Lashon in which Rabbi Kiva and the Chachamim argue, which is, What is the fundamental reason? What is the Nukudata Machloket between Rabbi Kiva and the Chachamim? Rabbanan Savre, Komiltu de Tzarek Shlicha Limuchiala, Lav Minehu. Chachamim said, this is the way we explained it in the Mishnah, anything that an agent comes back to the principal to ask them and seek permission for them to buy it, that's indicative of the fact that it's not the same species or it's not the same category. Because if it was the same category, then we would not need you to come back and ask. Then the agent could act and act on his own volition because he knows that that's included in what the principal instructed him to do. The fact that he's already coming back to check shows you that it's not included in the instructions that he was originally given, and that means it's not a part of the species or a subset of that category. On the other hand, Rabbi Kiva Savar, Milta de Mimlach Shlicha anything that a Shlicha comes to check with the Balabayit about, Minehu, it's definitely that species, because otherwise he wouldn't come back and check. He would know that he doesn't have to check with the Balabayit. The Balabayit tends to buy vegetables, he's not going to come back and say, oh, there's bread in the supermarket, because it's not relevant. The only thing that he's going to bring back them are items that are relevant. Yes, it's on the borderline, but it's still relevant. And if it's relevant, then he's going to pose the question. And therefore, it's deemed to be minehu. It's that category or it's that species. Therefore, it will be subsumed under the term that is used here. Now, this is not a generic sense that any time that the shleah comes back and asks a question that it's subsumed, you have to have a broad enough category where you would include items like this. Items like yarak, basar, dagan which are very, very wide scope of cate- uh, categories with wide scope or large definitions over there, this whole machoket makes sense. When you're dealing with much narrower scope words, then this makes less sense, and it's unlikely that Rabbi Kivan HaKachamim would argue in those instances, unless you can, I guess, figure out a case where it'd be reasonable that the Shliach would have some question about it. But already at that point, it seems if he has a question... It should be outside the world because you're talking about much narrower scope. Here you're talking about words that have broad meaning. And in that sense, this argument of Akiva and the Chachamim is relevant. All right, so now the Gemara says, Amar Abaye, Molde Rabbi Akiva, Lin Malkot, Rabbi Akiva agrees with regards to Malkot, Shainaloke. This is a big Kiddush. Rabbi Akiva all of a sudden says, you know what? That with regards to my argument of Chachamim, I just think it's Asur, that the Duim are Asurim. But if you eat them, you're not going to get malkot. So that indicates that we're talking about something that isn't so clear. So you can see in Tosvot, Tosvot says, "The misvekale he has a safek idluim bichlal yerek umisvekale lo amar the milke." He's not sure. Rabbi Kiva is not certain that luim are part of yerek. I told you it sits in that border right between yerek and priadama, and he's just not sure if it's subsumed there. So the Chumrah will tell you, don't do it, it's an Esor, but that still remains a Safek, and therefore we will not give you Malkot. That's the way that Tosafot describes it, and the Ran gives a similar explanation, which is, 
The Kevan, the Duluim, Lo Mishtai Behedjo, Duluim are not obviously included under Yarak. Because if that was the case, if you took a nether from the word Yarak, then you would be already restricted in eating Duluim. The fact that Ella, Miribuye, Delishne, the fact that he has to use extraneous language in order to include Duluim, Afagabdam Lichlichale, even though an agent comes and checks whether he should buy such a name, Lo Mitzasre Bevadai. He's not restricted for certain. Ella Misveka. It's only a safek, and therefore he's not loket. So the Ran explains what the safek is over here. It's because the nature of the way that the Duluim are included. They're included only because you have extra lashon in the nether. And that's what generates the inclusion. But that already means it's a reboy, and it's not so clear that it's included in the core meaning of the word. And therefore it's a sveka. Rosh terms it this way, Dulukhumra Asarleh. Because of a chumrah, we make it a sur. You can read that one of two ways. The chumrah asale means simply like what the Tosafot and the Ran said over here. We're talking about nidarim, which are dinim deoraito. So when we have a safek, we're going to go to the chumrah, and therefore we'll say it's a sur, but we won't give malkot because we're not certain. Or you could say that the chumrah asale is the chumrah of nidarim. Nidarim are more chamur, and in general we treat nidarim with a certain amount of restrictions or strictness, and therefore over here we're going to say it's a sur, even though we're not going to give you a malkot. So now the Gemara asks a question. It's not Hatam. Hashaliach shasha shlichuto balabayit ma'al. If the shliach, the agent, does what the host asked them to do, then the balabayit is held accountable. Lo shlichuto. If he doesn't carry out his agency, shliach ma'al. Then the shliach is held culpable for the mi'ilah. Now, we know in general, when it comes to the Torah, we have a principle that the Gemara lays out, which is, Ein shliach Nobody can be an agent to make someone else culpable for the violation of an Avera. There are some exceptions to that rule. One exception to that rule is Mi'ilah. Mi'ilah, we learn out from Xerah Shavah to Trumah of Chet Chet, that Mi'ilah, just like by Trumah, a shliach, an agent, can act on your behalf to be mafrish the Trumah. So too, by mi'ilah, an agent can act to make you culpable, and there is shliach nidvaravera by mi'ilah. So now mi'ilah is the misappropriation of hegdesh, but it's the unintentional misappropriation of hegdesh. It's done bishogeg. So here, if the balabayit tells an agent, a shliach, to go ahead and do something for him, for instance, they have guests, and he tells the shliach to go give them meat. So the shliach goes, listens to the balabayit, and gives them the meat. Turns out the meat is meat of hektesh. It's kodesh, it's a korban. Whatever the meat is, there's some sort of hektesh ownership on it. Then if they eat it, they are now mo'el, misappropriating the hektesh. Whose fault is it that they're misappropriating the hektesh? Well, the person who did it was the shliach. He's the one who gave it to them. So maybe he should be culpable because ain't shliach devaravera. But again, mi'ila is that one exception when there is shliach devaravera. Therefore, it goes back to the balabayit because the balabayit is the one who's ultimately accountable or held culpable here for doing this. On the other hand, if the Balabayit tells the Shliach to do something, and the Shliach doesn't do exactly what the Balabayit says, he abrogates the agency, then he becomes culpable on his own. Because he's no longer acting as an agent of the Balabayit, but he's acting of his own volition. And therefore he will be held culpable. So what the Mishnah that we're quoting from Mi'ila is describing over here is, HaShliach Shasash an agent that carries out his agency, Balabayit Ma'al then the Balabayit is the one culpable because the Shliach was, in a sense, an innocent party in this. Lo asa On the other hand, if he does not carry out his agency and acts of his own volition, 
Shliach Mao. Then he becomes the responsible party for the Mi'ilah. Man Tana. Who is the author of that Mishnah? Amr of Chista. Chista says, Matanitin Delok Rabbi Akiva. That Mishnah Mi'ilah can't be according to Rabbi Akiva. Zitanan. Because that Mishnah continues and says, Ketzad. Here's an example of what we just described. We gave you a general principle. Here's the example. Amarlo Tain Basar Dorochim. If the Balabait, the host, says to his waiter, to his butler, go give the guests the meat, and instead he gave them liver. Or he told them to give a liver, and instead he gave them meat. Then the shliach is responsible. The shliach did not carry out his agency. The Balabait told him to either give meat or to give liver, and he did just the opposite. Whatever the Balabai told him to do, the agent did not carry out. He did not carry out his instructions. Therefore, when he grants whatever item it is to the guest, it's his own volition, and he'll be chayav for the mi'ilah. He will be responsible for the mi'ilah. Ve'i Rabbi Akiva, if this was Rabbi Akiva, hama Rabbi Akiva, komilta demimlech ala shliach, minehu. Anything that a shliach would ask the Balabai about, that is considered to be under that category. It's part of that subset that belongs there. So if the Balabai sent his agent, his shliach, to the butcher shop to get meat, he'll come back home and he'll say to the Balabai, there was no meat, there was only liver. The fact that he would tell the Balabai that information shows you that liver, according to Rabbi Kiva, is a subset of basar. Well, if liver is a subset of basar, then when the shliach gave them liver, he carried out the instructions. He was told to give meat and he gave liver. Liver is a subcategory of basar, according to Rabbi Akiva. So therefore, limo balabait, velo limo shliach. The person should be mal over here is the balabait, because the agent carried out his agency. And therefore, the balabait should be culpable and not the agent. That's the question. The Gemara is, it's not really a question, it's showing that Rabbi Akiva cannot be the author of that Mishnah in Mi'ilah, because otherwise Rabbi Akiva's conclusion would have been different. Now, this Gemara is very difficult for one simple reason. Abayi already told us that Rabbi Akiva believes that this is only the Chumrah, it's only a Safek. He doesn't believe that it's a Vadai. And if he doesn't believe it's a Vadai, then how could you argue over here that the Balabait should be responsible and not the Shliach? It's not clear here that, that the Kaved is a subset of Basar. So there are a number of ways to approach it. One way to approach it is just to say that Rav Chista doesn't hold like Abayi. He doesn't subscribe to Abayi's position. He thinks Rabbi Akiva thinks it's Vadai. And it's not Misafek. That's one way to deal with it. The other way to deal with it is to say that the case of Kaved and Basar is different than the case of Duluim and Yarak. David, you hinted to this, that maybe the two are not exactly equal. And that's what you see in Tosafot, in the first widest line of Tosafot, he says, Benira, the Lokashiklau, the Dafko Bidluim, the Lav Yaraku. Our question, when Rabbi Akiva says that it's a Safek, and you don't get Malkot, that's only talking about Duluim, because they're just not a vegetable. Peire, but rather a prihadama, misvekale, and that's why he has a suffix. Aval bemide achrino. When we're talking about other categories, pshitale. It's clear to Rabbi Akiva, the mimachale uminehu, that if the shliach comes back and would ask about it, then it's certainly part of the category. So what he's suggesting here is that there's a difference between kaved and basar, where kaved is certainly a subcategory of basar, versus bluim where it's a suffake of whether they're a subcategory of Yarak or they're subsumed under the term Yarak. So that's how Tosavot deals with it. And it says that the cases are different. 
Kaved is much closer to Basar than Gluim is to Yarak. So now, the Ran says over here a slightly different formulation than Tosafot. The Ran on the third last line says, Nahid, the Amrinan, Lael, the Mode Rabbi Kivil, Indian Malkot, Shenoloke, I appreciate the Dafka, Bemide, the Lomi Stamel, Miribuya, Kidluim. That's only true. Where does Rabbi Kivil have a fake? When you're talking about an item that is included because of the extraneous language that you use. About Kaved, Mikhla Basar, below Ribuya. If you say the word basar, liver is in that category without adding any other language, without doing anything more, kaved is under the rubric of basar. So both Tosafot and the Ran are taking a similar approach, which is saying that Rabbi Kiva's shita with regards to Dulim is unique to Dulim in reference to Yarak, but in other areas and other categories where the relationship is much stronger or much clearer, over there you would not have a safek, and Rabbi Kiva would agree that you get malkot. If it's something you come back and ask the sender, the principal, about when he sent you to do something, then in that case, it would be considered a subcategory. So if a person would send someone to the butcher shop to get meat, and the guy would come back and say, there's no meat, but there's liver, that would make liver a subcategory of basar bivadai, according to Rabbi Kiva, either because the Ran says you don't need any extra lashon to include it, or, according to Tosafot, because there's not a safek here. Clear that kaved is a subcategory of basar, Versus Duim, where there it's sitting on that edge, it's not clear what it is. The Tosafot brings a second interpretation from the Varam Hayaomer, Dilim all Balabait Labdavka. When the Gemara is asking here that the Balabait should have Mila, Elaklomar Lo Yimol Shliach. The Gemara's question is not that the Balabait should really be Moel, because it's not Vadai, it's a Safek. Well, if it's a Safek, then the Balabait should have been Moel, or really the Shliach should not have been Moel. That's the real question of the Gemara over here. So he just rephrases the question, not to say Davka that the Balabait is Moel, but rather the Shlech should not be Moel. Amar Abaye. says, no. Afilu Teima Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva could be the author of the Mishnah Mi'ila. Kilomode Rabbi Akiva. Doesn't Akiva agree that you have to ask the question? Now, in looking at Nidarim versus Mi'ila, the categories are very different, or the question is very different. By Nedar, we're trying to determine what is included in the language. So we have tests for seeing what is included in the language. If an agent would come and ask about this item, that would, according to Rabbi Kiva, make it that it's subsumed under that category. It is included in that word. That's a test. Not that he actually has to do it, but the fact that he would do it makes it in the test. By Mi'ila, we're not trying to test. The question is, did he ask or did he not ask? Meaning that if people normally ask a question about this item, and the shliach didn't ask about it, the agent didn't ask, that means he's acting on his own volition. So if people normally, if you send them to a butcher shop to buy meat, and there's no meat, only liver, they come back and ask you the question, then when the shliach acts without asking you the question, that means that he abrogated his agency, and he acted his own volition. Because normal people would go back and ask the question. So unless you ask the question, you're not considered to be a shliach anymore. And that's what Abai points out. By mi'ilah, it's not a question of testing whether kaved is a subcategory basar, we need to know that you're still an agent, that you're still acting under the instructions of the Balabite. Well, you could be acting under the instructions of the Balabite as long as you ask the Balabite. But if you don't ask the Balabite, then you haven't acted in the standard manner that most people would act in this case, and therefore you've lost your rights as an agent, and now you're acting on your own volition, you'll be chayav and mi'ilah. So the really, mi'ilah and nidarim are really two different categories, and therefore the in mi'ilah, Rabbi Kiva would agree that unless you ask the question, it's not considered to be that you're an agent. Kaved might be a subcategory of Basar, but that doesn't change the fact that you need to ask the question. Itmar shmaita kamed rova. This whole thing and the answer of Abayi was said before rova. Amar lahon, 
Shapir Amar Nachmani, that Abaye is answering correctly, his look or difference, Chakira, between what Rabbi Kiva says by Nidarim and by Meila is right. And therefore, Rabbi Kiva could be the author of the Mishnah in Meila. Now, Shapir Amar Nachmani, the Ran over here says, why is Abaye called Nachmani? I know Abaye. Because he grew up in the house of Rabbi Barnachmani. We've spoken about this numerous times. Abaye and Rava were orphaned at a younger age, and they were brought up by Rabbi Barnachmani. And therefore, since Abaye grew up in his house, Rava called him Nachmani as if he was part of that family of Rabbi Barnachmani. And it was a nickname that he granted him. So according to the way the Ron views it here, Abaye is his proper name, and Nachmani is his nickname. As with all of these cases, we had this before with Rab, Abba. Which one is the real name and which one is the nickname? So the same thing is true here. The Ron reads it one way. Of course, there are others who see it the other way. That Nachmani is his real name and Abaye was the nickname that was given to him. But here the Ron says that Nachmani is the nickname and it's a nickname that derives from the fact that he grew up in the house of Rabbi Nachmani. Bottom line is that Rova approves of what Abaye said over here in the Shita of Rabbi Akiva. Now the Gemara asks, Man Tano the Poly okay, Man Tano the Polygale the Rabbi Akiva. Who is the Tano that argues on Rabbi Akiva? So the majority of the Rishonim over here ask the question as being who is the Tano in our Mishnah, in the Darim, who argues on Rabbi Akiva? Which is simply a simpler way to read the Gemara here that we're trying to figure out. In Mi'ila, Rabbi Akiva and everybody agrees what the din is in Mi'ila, so therefore there's no question. Over here in the Darim, where we have a Machloket, we know Rabbi Kiva's position, who is the Tanakama that's arguing on Rabbi Kiva, and that's what the Gemara is searching for. There are those that say that the Gemara's question here is, Mantano, the polygolate Rabbi Kiva in Mi'ila. Who's the Tana that would argue with Rabbi Kiva in Mi'ila? And based on that, you would actually come out that there's actually three opinions instead of two opinions, which is the Tanakama of our Mishnah here in the Darim says that Duluim are not a subcategory of Yarak, but on the other hand, Kaved is a subcategory of Basar. You have Rabbi Kiva Shita, who says that Yarak, Duluim are a subcategory of Yarak, and Kaved is a subcategory of Basar. Then you have a third opinion, who argues on Rabbi Kiva, and that's what the Gemara is asking about here, in Mi'ilah, who would say that Kaved is not a subcategory of Basar, and of course, Duluim are not a subcategory of Yarak. So actually you have three different opinions here as opposed to saying that everybody agrees that Kaved is a subset of Basar, and now the Gemara is asking the question, according to Rabbi Kiva, who is the one who argues about whether Duluim are a subcategory of Yarak or not? So that's the nature of the question over here. So now the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, he, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, the Tanya, Hanodermina Basar, someone takes a nether from meat, Asur b'chol Basar, he's restricted in all different types of meat. Now here, when you're talking about all different types of meat, it means Chaya, Tzon, Bakar, all the different types of meat that you'd have. Basur berosh, oberaglaim. And he's also a sur in the head and the leg. Ubekane, and the, I don't know if you call it the neck, the windpipe. Ubekaved, the liver. Ubeleiv, and the heart. Ubeofot, and fowl. Umutar bebasar dagim, vechagavim. On the other hand, you are not restricted. Basar does not include fish and We'll call them grasshoppers or insects that you're allowed to eat. Rabbi Shimon Megam Leomer, I know Dermina Basar. Someone takes never Basar, Asar, Bechom Minei Basar. He's restricted in all types of meat. So again, Chaya, Bakar, Son. Umutar, Birosh, Oberaglaim, 
ubikaneh, ubikaved, ubelev, ubeofot. He's mutar in all of these. These are all not included under the word or the subcategory called basar. Vein tzarech lomar, basar dagim v'chagavim. Certainly, if fowl and all these other items are not included, then certainly fish and the grasshoppers are not included under that term. V'chein haya rabbi shimon gomliyo omer. And similarly, rabbi shimon gomliyo to say, kirvayim lav basar. The innards of the animal is not considered to be meat. V'ochlehem lav barnash, or lav barinish. Someone who eats them is not human. Now, the next line in the Gemara is almost impossible to read. We'll read it like Rashi says, which is, Ochlehem kibasar. But we know that kirbayim are included under the category of basar. Even Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, in his exclusion of items that are not included under basar, did not exclude kirbayim. Rashi says, because there's a lot of fat. But for whatever reason, kirbayim are considered to be basar. So then, the Hilchata, then what halachic ramifications does this have? What Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, that they are not basar, and the person who eats them is not human. Linyan zvine. It has to do with purchasing. Mekachumemkar. Lavbar inash. That if a person has a choice between purchasing basar, flesh, or purchasing kirbaim, and he chooses to purchase kirbaim at the same price, then lavbar inash. He's not a human being. Mean that he's not normal. That's not the way that people normally act. That's an unusual type of behavior. And we say, We ignore that type of behavior because it's so non-standard and so not rational. So not rational that that person is not considered to be a human being. That's the way to read it. If you leave out the words, then you can come up with all different types of interpretations over here as to what this means, which is, if he says, then the Gemara is saying, what is my hilchotol? What's the nafkaminah? Linyan zvinei, mekachumemkar. If you told someone you're going to sell him basar, you can't give him kirbayim. And lav barinash is a description of a person who eats that. So you could separate the two items out and then explain what the meaning is. But what you see here is that there's a fundamental machloket in the b'raita between Rabbi Shimon Gamliel and the Tanakama, assuming that the Tanakama is Rabbi Akiva, that when you use the term basar, how broad is the scope of basar? According to the Tanakama, Basar includes not only flesh itself, meat itself, but all these other items that are around the periphery of basar. The rosh, the raglaim, the kaneh, the kaveh, the lev, all of those are included. And an oaf as well, fowl as well. According to Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, that's not the case. The Rabbi Shimon Gamliel is the bar plokto of Rabbi Akiva. Now, the Gemara asks the question, Maishna basar oaf, litanakama dasir. Why does the Tanakama say that when it comes to fowl, it's under the category of basar? It's Included. If you use the word basar, that oaf is included. Basar oaf is included. Because if you sent someone to the store to buy meat, and there's no meat, but there's only chicken, he would come back and check with you. Should I buy chicken because there's no meat? Basar dagim nami. The same thing should be true by fish. Because if you send him to the store to buy meat, and there's no meat, but there is fish, he comes back and checks with the Baal Baish. I get you fish. There's no meat. Damar. bisra. dagim. So, because a person would say, if there's no meat, bring me back fish. Meaning that sometimes there's no meat, get me some fish. Fish is within that scope of items that you would have included possibly under Basar. So, if the way to test whether something is a subcategory or included in that category is to say whether someone would ask the question or an agent would ask the question, then over here, Basar open, Basar dagim are in the same boat. Velitzeru, and therefore, if you take a nether from basar, you should have included in it basar the game.
Amar Abaye, Abaye says that it's a unique circumstance. Ain't Ochanami, Abaye is saying, that Basarov and Basar Dagim would be subsumed over here under the category of Basar. But here you have an unusual circumstance. Gagom, Shekiz Dam. On that day, he had some bloodletting done. The Loachil Dagim. A person, when they do bloodletting, does not eat fish because fish are unhealthy or not the best thing to eat after one gives blood. Why says the Nami. That's the case, then the same should be true with fowl. By fowl as well, you should have the same conclusion. Lo achil, because people don't eat it after they let blood or they give blood. Damar Shmuel, demisukar, someone who had their blood let, v'achil bisra de tzapro, if he eats meat of a bird, I mean, here probably tzapro is a smaller type of bird, parach libei tzapro, his heart will fly away like a bird. So whether that means that it doesn't give him enough strength and he faints, or that his heart is pumping at a high rate, whatever it is that when a person let blood for their health reasons that they let blood in their day, then afterwards you have to eat a proper and solid meal made out of basar. But if you ate fish or you ate a fowl, that would not suffice. So the Gemara first suggested that it was a day that you let blood, so the guy wouldn't have thought to eat fish that day anyway. So when he takes his netter against basar, he's clearly not thinking about fish because he can't eat fish. Where it says, well, you know what? He's not thinking about oaf as well because he can't eat oaf as well. Betanya, ein makizin lo ala dagim velo ala ufot velo al basar meliach. That a person after they have let blood should not eat fish, should not eat basar oaf, fowl velo al basar meliach, and he shouldn't eat salty meat. Betanya, he gives them person who had blood let lo yachol lo chalav velo gvina velo beitzim velo shichlaim velo ufot. So again, here you have another brighter that supports that same understanding that a person who lets blood should not eat milk, cheese, eggs, cress, fowl, and uh, salted meat. It says, Ofot are not like dagim. Dagim are never good after bloodletting. Ofot, fowl, it depends on the preparation process. If it's prepared, if it's roasted, then it's problematic. If it's shaluk, if it's cooked, then it would be fine. So ofot are still, on a day that you give blood or let blood, ofot are still within your purview of items that you would eat that day. So when you take a nether from basar, you take a nether thinking about all the items that you possibly could eat, and that's what you're restricted in. Since fish are not even on the table because you let blood that day, therefore they're not included in the nether. On the other hand, oaf, which is possible to eat if you cook it instead of roasting it, then that is within the purview of things that you might eat that day. And when you take a nether mibasar, it would include fowl. Abayamar, if you're going to kaivin le ene, the case where he has some sort of eye ailment. The dagim kashim le Because fish are detrimental to the health of one's eyes. So because he has some sort of eye ache or eye ailment, eating fish would be detrimental. So again, it's, fish is not on the table. So when he says basar, He's not thinking about fish. When it says, If that's the case, eating fish, It's like a way to remember it, the letters of the alphabet. Nuna, Nuna means a fish in Aramaic. Samo is a salve or has curative properties. For the eyes. That's what Nun Samachayim stands for. So if he has an eye ache, then why is he abstaining from fish? He really should be eating fish. Because Shmuel says that the fish has curative properties, and it's actually good for your eyes. So why aren't you eating the fish? So how uchla? Now, when Rishmol says that the fish is good for you, 
that the end of Ukhla means the sickness. Once the major issue has passed and you're already in remission or you're on the road to recovery, then fish is good for the eyes and then fish is healthy. But when you're in the midst of that ailment, then fish is not the right item to eat or it's detrimental to your health to eat the fish. And therefore, if a person has an eye ache or an eye ailment, then he would definitely not be thinking about eating fish. And if he takes the nether from basar, then it would not include fish in that instance. Now, the Ran over here says, We paskin like Rabbi Akiva. Why do we paskin like Rabbi Akiva here? First of all, because we have a Stam Mishnah like him in Chulin. That's one. Number two is, we know the principle from the Gemara Nehruvin that which means that when Rabbi Akiva is one-on-one in a Machloket, he trumps. So now that we took our mission over here and assumed that the Tano is Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, we just made into a Dat Yachid that's arguing on Rabbi Akiva. That means Rabbi Akiva arguing on Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, the Aloha is going to be like Rabbi Akiva. So for that reason, the Aloha is like Rabbi Akiva in this instance. Now, what are the implications of this? The implications of this are that when you take a nether mina basar, then you include any type of basar, ofot, dagim. As long as you didn't let blood on that day, it would include all types of meat. Meat meaning meat, as in the way we call meat today, fowl, oaf, and dagim. That's what would be assumed by the Gemara over here. Now, miyo, dafka ba'atra, and the qualification here is in a city where if you sent an agent to buy meat at the butcher shop, that he would come back and ask you, oh, I only see fish, or I only see chicken, I only see fowl there, then if he would come back and ask you, then like it is here in the time of the Gemara, so too, in that location, those items would be subsumed under the category of basar. And he says, The Rambam himself does not agree with this, because he says, That fish, are only restricted in a city where they check, where you would go back and check what the person has sent you. Bofot mitzari bechol dochta. The other hand, fowl is automatically called meat, or subsuna, the carrier of meat, irrespective of whether you send back a shliach or not. Vuhu minatema. The Ran says, I don't understand the Rambam at all. In our Gemara, there's no differentiation between dagim and ofot. They're considered to be the same. Hilkach tarvayu lo mitasri el ba'atra de mimlach shlicha alayu. And therefore, they're only restricted where a person would assume, or if someone sent them to the butcher shop, they would come back and ask the principal who sent them, I don't see any meat. Would you like the fish? Would you like the fowl? That would be the only time when they would be included or under the category of basar. Then the Ran goes on to explain that the Rashba differentiates here between Meki's Dam and Kevenaim, between someone who lets blood and someone who has an eye ailment. In a case where someone lets blood, then there's a discrete moment at which they let the blood. And on that day, they would be restricted from eating fish, fowl, because they might be detrimental to his health. But the next day, they would be mutar. That means if a person takes the nether mibasar, if he takes it just for that day, then those items would not be included. Other than if he takes it for seven days or he takes it for multiple days, then that basar would include dagim and ofot because only one of those days has the bloodletting on it. But the other days don't have bloodletting, and that means the person had in mind to eat fish or a fowl on those other days. And if that's the case, Basar would include everything. The other hand, when it comes to KV9, when it comes to the eye ailment, it's not a discrete moment in time. A person never knows when the ailment will end. He never knows when he'll be in remission and 
things will be all better. Therefore, even if he takes the nether for multiple days, he still is not including fish under that category because he never knows when he's going to be able to eat fish again. He never knows when the eye ailment or the problem with his pain in his eyes will subside. And then he'll be able to eat fish again. But since he doesn't know, when he takes the nether, he's assuming that he's not going to eat fish. And therefore, fish is always mutar when it comes to this eye issue because the person never assumes he's going to be eating fish because he just doesn't know when it's going to end. That's a distinction that the Rashba makes between these two different reasons that are given in the Gemara. On the other hand, the Ran says, Veli lo sharbi dagim, eli nadar yome demuchhe lefumai dekiven leene debalav nidra lo achal minayu. The Ran disagrees and says he doesn't see any difference. And he says that the only way a person would be mutar and dagim is if he takes a nether on days that would be clear because of his eye ailment that he would not have eaten fish anyway. So suppose that Ashbo almost defaults to the status where you're not going to eat fish because you have an eye ailment unless you know for certain that the eye ailment is going to be over that we're not going to say that your nether includes fish. The Ran learns the other way around. Unless you can prove that the nether only covered days where your eye element would have been applicable and therefore you wouldn't have eaten fish anyway, then you're mutar and fish. But otherwise, if you had a more expansive time and you can't say, even though you may not know, but you couldn't say for certain that the eye element would, uh, would apply to those days, then it must be the person might be thinking about fish. If that's the case, when he takes the nether, he's also a sewer in fish. And then the Ran adds on, what about basar maliach? Basar maliach was mentioned in one of those items that you do not eat on a day that you let blood. But yet the Gemara never suggests that if a person takes a netter on the day that he lets blood, that he'd be mutar to eat basar maliach. We say he might be mutar to eat basar of. He might be mutar to eat basar dagim. But nobody says that he'd be mutar to eat basar maliach. And here, the Ran makes a distinction. Because that the even on a day that he lets blood, it would still be asur if he took a netter that day. Because basar maliach is basar mamash. Basar Maliach is not like Ovot or Dagim, where we're talking about a subcategory of Basar. Basar Maliach is synonymous with Basar. So even though Basar Maliach might not be good on that day, but if you take a netter from Basar, Basar Maliach is subsumed under that category. You can't escape that. Basar Maliach is Basar. And therefore, there's no question like we have by Dagim and Ovot. On the other hand, Chagavim, it comes to the Basar of Chagavim, based on what we saw in our Gemara here, they would never be included in the nether, no matter what you were doing. Whether it were mutarti, not to eat, not mutarti eat on that day for you, it would make no difference because nobody ever includes those items under the normal term of basar. And no shliach, nobody who you sent to the butcher would come back and say, yeah, there was no meat, but we had a couple of crickets, we had a couple of grasshoppers. Nobody would suggest that. And Naran says that the Ramam agrees with that position that he is suggesting over here. Okay, we'll stop over here by the end of Nundal Mebet, and we'll begin with the Mishnah tomorrow on Nunhei Amadalaf.